I think you should do the intro three times. Five times. <laughs> five, t- yeah. five times. Hello, welcome to Beer and Movie, the podcast where we can talk about two of the greatest art forms in humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes we're cheating on standing great parents and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to watch terrible taste of failure from our mouths. Hi. Welcome to- <laughs> you could just loop it. <laughs> no, it has to be done live. Okay. Welcome beer to a Beer and a Movie. 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 This is all staying it, in, by the way. If you do it five times, a beautiful milkshake IPA appears. Wow. Uh, <laughs> but Close, it's crawling almost, the bees. Almost, I mean, come yeah, on. It's yeah. a beer to meow. That's, oh, it man. Is. I'm your co-host, Carlos Cooper. With me, as always, Joe Hilliard. And Dave Gurney. A chaotic intro. Uh, sorry, folks. No, I mean, it's all right. They figured out what we're doing, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I think... I, you know, I, I do. I I don't think I've told you this, but I do broadcast this on CB radio, so somebody could be tuning in unintentionally. Oh, that, we we should have a CB channel open so yeah. that they, we could have CBers contributing. Honestly, this is so off topic already. Rabbit hole. <laughs> you you can get a like a small antenna to brad to, to to broadcast on like AM or FM or something, but it'll only go within like. 10 miles of you or what? It's like a very low frequency okay. one. Um, 10 miles is pretty good though. This guy that uh, used to do like the sound installations at Sound Vibes, Willie, uh, would do that and he would play like some he songs. Broadcast he broadcast stuff? He would play songs that he wrote. Garage and Look, yeah, nice. just, like, Carlos, if you want to do pump up the volume on the show, <laughs> I am 100% hey, okay I, with I that. I am behind that. Ma- maybe we need to do a Gleaming the Cube, pump up the volume, Christian honest, Slater. Honestly, I'm really down to do Gleaming the Cube. Yeah. You're pro with Rad. I... Okay, we'll talk after hours on this one. All right. Make a note, make a note. Make a note for, uh, that could, depending on how you view those films, that could fit into our all-horror October programming, which before we open this beer, I mean, it is September 1st, if you were listening to this, the day of release, so it's basically Halloween already. And <laughs> we are, we are we're going to run it back like we did last year, and for October, we're only doing horror episodes all month long. That's four episodes of pure horror. That is, and obviously Halloween Kills will be in there, because that comes out October 15th so we will be covering such a high profile film as that but that leaves three other weeks of programming and so what we have decided to do to kind of spice things up a little bit this uh this year is we are going to let patreon program an episode yeah so we are going to open it up to our patreon subscribers uh to get to program their very own episode of beer in a movie uh, if you want to find out how that works, or if you can do that, how you do that, uh, obviously you subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. $5 a month gets you a bonus episode every single week and gives you the opportunity to program your dream episode of Beer in a Movie. We'll talk about it more in After Hours. We'll talk about it more in After Hours. Well, I heard beers being cracked, so let's, without further ado... Very foamy beers. Let's yeah. talk about the beer that we'll be discussing this half of the episode, then we're going to talk about a movie, then we're going to repeat... This is five times Martin House Brewing Company's Bubblegum Eyes. We scoured the city looking for any kind of candy-themed beer this week, and we landed on... David, you picked this up for us. Thank you. The only thing we could find that was candy-ish, bubblegum. Right, because it's got to be like a, a piece of candy that could come individually wrapped sure. that you could entice. Right, and they yes. could yeah, fall down on yeah. an elevator. Okay, so Bubblegum Eyes is a bubblegum lacto-sour by Martin House. We've had them twice. We had their pickle beer during that infamous Texas pickle beer challenge back in episode 52. Picklegate. And then we had it alongside Godzilla versus Kong. The name of that beer was... Statement of Purpose. Hey, I was about to say that. Uh, and we've enjoyed, to my recollection, both of those. Wow. 
So um, this is another one from Martin House out of Fort Worth, Texas. Bubble gum in a beer. I got to tell you, before I even taste it, I've already smelled it. This does not seem appetizing to me. <laughs> but very bubble gummy. Very like bubble it, gummy. The, 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 the nose, nose, they've nailed yeah. the aroma the of The nose on gum. this is like when you unwrap a, um, a, what is it, double bubble? Double bubble. Yeah, yeah. or hubba bubba. Or one of those. <laughs> Big yeah. League Chew. We're going to drink on this for Big the next League half Chew. hour or so while we discuss a film. Well, have you David, ever... take it away because we're going to discuss two films. They each have the same name, but we're going to flip-flop our typical order that we do. Yeah. Have you ever put an entire pack of Big League Chew in your mouth at the same an time? An entire yes, pack? Probably. Yeah. Is, it, is that a challenge? Is that one? Should I be looking at these on TikTok? The no. problem okay. with Big League Chew... It got Chew. banned on TikTok, actually, because it, it was dangerous. Yeah. Oh, the problem with Big League Chew... <laughs> from my youth was always that the flavor of the bubblegum flavor went away really, really fast. Oh, sure. But while it was there, it was magic. Oh, sure. While it was there. Now, a hubba bubba or a bubble It's yum, one of those quick cheap highs that yeah. goes away really yep. fast. <laughs> Kept yep. the bubblegum flavor. Will this, what will this beer do? We'll find out in a little yeah, while. Yeah, we will. But, the, but on the nose, they've nailed it. I'm taking um, my first sip. Yeah, I mean, I, I I feel like we've made many references to it already. We are, of course, covering the recent 2021 release of Candyman, the film by Nia DaCosta, co-written with Jordan Peele. Number one film of this past weekend. Number one film. Box office, first time uh, number one film for a black female director. Um, pr- pretty big sort of achievement. And, uh, and we'll talk about that in the second half. As Joe made reference to earlier, usually we lead with that most recent film, but we felt like this week, because we are going back to 1992's Candyman, where... It's like an all-horror October appetizer. I guess so. It kind of is. Um, so so we're going back. We, we decided to do that first because so much of the Candyman 2021 film really builds off of... And, yeah. and does some interesting and things, references. I think. At least tries to do some interesting things. We can discuss whether or sure. not we think it does it well, but... but clearly working with the original in some pretty distinct ways. I thought of it in a certain sense as a parallel to the Halloween, uh, you know, film from 2018, 2019? 2018, yeah. Um, Where they ignore several of the sequels to continue the story. Where they ignore all of them. sequels and just instead attach it to that first film, but 30 years later. And yeah. yeah, So let's go back to the original. So 1992, Candyman arrives on the scene. I feel like... Do uh, we know the release date for this film? The actual day? October 16th. Mm. Ooh, interesting. Makes sense. Makes sense. I was five months old. Okay. I was a sophomore (laughs) in college. And I was somewhere in the first year of high school. Sure. This this one probably tickled you. Were you a horror guy back then? (laughs) Not a great time in my life. I I recently saw some pictures of myself from then that really shocked me. But we'll we'll leave that behind. Subscribe to the Patreon, people. (laughs) When you were in high school. Pictures of young David Gurney. (laughs) David, when you were in high school, would would you have gone to see Candyman in the theater? Were you a horror guy back then? The way I looked, they wouldn't let me in the theater. No, no, seriously. I was a little before my regular being able to get to the theater to see an R-rated horror film days. Because I would have been about 13, 14. Mm -hmm. I wasn't quite able to buy tickets at the counter without a parent being there i think around i think by probably late 14 going into 15 they didn't give a shit anymore right and i I could go and did you go to horror back then yeah as soon as i could it was was me and my bros were horror freaks we saw it all yeah in the theater and we certainly did once they came on video i think for me Candyman was probably more of a cable experience but 
before we get there, I should at least give a little nutshell synopsis here. The basic concept, we have a young graduate student um, studying semiotics who's, who's looking into urban myths, urban legends, in particular uh, located around this uh, housing project, Cabrini Green in Chicago. She's a student at the University of Illinois. Um, she's going there to collect information. She stumbles into some strange things, as you would expect, and learns about this more about this story about the Candyman, which is this figure that's supposed to appear if one says his name into a mirror five times, and he'll come and you know sort of cut you up. But she hears yeah, more that's of the understatement <laughs> of the backstory um, of what maybe launched this apparition this ghost that seems to haunt the housing projects this Why folklore as she believes it to be right um to, to sort of document it and all that but then starts to have experiences with it that seem to push it beyond just the realm of urban legend and that to being some reality or is it where there's a little sense that maybe she's going crazy and that she's actually because it seems Candyman seems to be setting her up mm-hmm. as being the one who is responsible for killing yeah, taking the fall for the murder. I mean, in some ways becomes that like Hitchcockian, the person mm-hmm. who's kind of innocent getting pulled into the thing and suddenly seeming guilty and everybody's sort of casting suspicion on them. Yeah. Um, Virginia Madsen in the lead role there yeah. um, as uh, Helen Lyle. Right. Oh, wow, getting yeah. that? Um, the, the student, she's also, by the way, married to a, a professor at the university who is clearly... Never. <laughs> clearly a douchebag and clearly in, into having sex with his students probably how they met and all that so i mean the, you know the, there's this bad relationship she's, yeah she's still a student right yeah she's a grad, she's a grad student. student and a grad student. uh you know tony todd in sort of an iconic role for him chef's kiss uh, for as my Candyman. guy tony todd he is great he is great God, and he's he's an todd. underappreciated presence on screen i feel in like in general yeah we forget about how good tony todd is until we're reminded and then we feel terrible that we had that lapse he uh he, he guest stars in one of my favorite episodes of the usa hit comedy detective show psych oh. uh it's an episode where it's him uh-huh. as guest stars fucking um urkel oh help me jaleel white jaleel white and keenan thompson all in Ooh. one episode huh it's incredible that's a power power packed episode that's crazy so I, i've laid out most of the, the yeah. stuff you know helen gets pulled into it more and more it seems like she's really the one behind it the cops are, you know so it, it becomes quite a sticky situation I, I neglected to mention that Candyman has bees coming out of him. Uh, generally, that's a part of how the the figure died. Daniel Robitaille, we come to find out, is the yeah. name of the man who originated the original as Candyman. Candyman. The sure. original Candyman. Well, well, we don't even think of other Candymans in this first Candyman yeah. film. We'll get to that. <laughs> right. And I watched this again after watching the the new film. Okay. That's the order. That's that, the order. You that's did. the order that I went in. And you I'm, went this and then the new one. No, I, I saw the new one. Oh, okay. And then I watched the. Revenge. I went backwards. And um, forwards. I, I would have preferred that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's funny. I kind of already wanted to do that because I've only seen Candyman once before. It was in 2012. It was on tour in uh, Seattle. We were staying with this random Starbucks barista who let us, like, crash on her floor. Um, and the circumstances 
around the movie playing on this TV were somewhat hectic and oh, I hope you were going to say mysterious it just came on nobody no, put it on <laughs> no no there were there were other things going on that okay. distracted me from right. watching the film so I was only kind of in and out of it so this was my first time properly seeing Doing it so focused. I already wanted to start with it um, uh, but then I found out I thought 2021 Candyman Nina DaCosta's Candyman was a remake and I found out only what like three or four days ago now that it was a direct sequel right. when you were seeing it no oh you learned just before you saw i, it I it learned just sequel. before i had my 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 programming my uh-huh. viewing scheduled uh, for both films and then i was like oh yeah so i really need to see the first one again before sure. i go see the second one Otherwise, uh, it is a little confusing i mean joe mentioned it that they've named it the same thing yeah. and so we're having to attach years to it i mean Sure. I'm just saying, if you're branching off, but Halloween did it, and, and it's yeah, it's equally as confusing. Move. I feel. Yeah. <laughs> I saw this in the theater, and I did not like it. Uh, okay, back in 1992. Okay, and my relationship with this film has been largely dismissive. In the meantime, we all know I'm a horror fan. All Horror October is one of my favorite times, like Christmas, one of my favorite times <laughs> of the year. I'm looking forward to watching eight horror films. I'm looking forward to Patreon users picking two of them. Um, and the reason why I didn't like it was because at the time, and if you look at, I don't know, look at Google and look at the early 90s horror, it's not the greatest landscape of horror. There's a couple we're, of we're great films up, in there. coming off the high of the slasher. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, but nothing had quite taken its place yet. Sure. But you're right. It, this is still a slasher. Time. Yeah, it, it felt it, it, to it me was, like yeah. it was certainly... Uh, a meticulously crafted new slasher. And when we see two more films, a franchise emerging from it that I guess did okay financially. Um, I saw the second one in the theater. I cannot remember one thing. I don't remember one aspect of it. My problem with the movie was that, um, it kind of like the ring, the general conceit of the ring, a haunted videotape was so dumb to me that I couldn't ever really kind of <laughs> get into it the way that the mass population. Oh, I, did. I like that one, but yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Someday, I was maybe. 10 years old at a slumber party and we did bloody Mary. Uh-huh. You look yep. in the mirror, you say bloody Mary, how three many times, times and bloody Mary appears and kills you. Yeah. And if that were true, I'd be a dead person. My friends would all be dead. Well, uh, my daughter would probably be dead. Cause I think that I told her about it and she did it at a sleepover. Right. Her friends would be hundreds yeah. of thousands of people would be dead. If Candyman were real, because the moment that a child hears the thing, even from a parent that's concerned and telling them a horror story to prevent them from doing something, they'd fucking go to the bathroom, look in the mirror and say Candyman, And then they would be dead. And then law authorities all across the country would know that this is a real thing that really happens. And I don't know what they do. I don't know what they do to stop it. Located at the right housing project area. I don't think you do. Yeah, I don't. I, I, according to this film, you don't. I, I agree and I disagree with Joe on this one because I do think that you are correct. Any kid would do it anytime, even. As an adult that I've been told that I can't or shouldn't do something, what do, what do I do? Especially I, if I have no fear that this is a real thing, and yeah. I would just say, Which I, man, I would not. Be, I'd fucking be dead. So but, I always but, felt but, that was dumb. The, but the reason that I disagree with you is okay. because Candyman shows like a clear motivation in this film that really what he's interested in is being is living in the consciousness of people. Yeah. And there's a Freddy Krueger element and, to yeah, and what, that he, what is going on here. And that the violence is kind of peripheral for him almost. Um, 
it's a means to an end, and that is that it his is kind of a means to an end. And Helen is the victim, or Helen and the people around her are the victims of it in large part due to the fact that she's kind of taunting him, and he almost takes it as a personal insult, like as a slight. Um, and the more that she probes and nothing happens, the less people will believe in him, and then the legend will eventually fade. So I think while I well, when Candyman, and I'm now realizing how absurd this is that I'm like defending this small point of this movie. Sure, I, I think that it is. I, I, I think that the re, in the reality of the film, it would make sense that not everyone that attempts to summon him would be successful. Well, let me I'm just saying. wrap. Let me wrap up that little intro part with saying that I was too young, white, and dumb to appreciate any of the socioeconomic and racial kind of commentary yeah. that is presented yeah. in the film. And re-watching the 1992 version, its stock went way, way, way up in a way that I did not appreciate way back in the day. Yeah, and I, you know, the movie wasn't, when I first watched, half-watched it, it wasn't really pitched to me as anything other than like, oh, you haven't seen this, this movie's pretty good. Yeah, uh, Dude shows up and kills you with a hook. Yeah, and, which is kind of I Know What You Did Last Summer vibes, which came after. Came uh, after, yeah. But, which I love that movie. Um, but you love anything it, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Don't I, lie. Sure, yeah. <laughs> no. Big facts, big time facts. Um, but yeah, I, the, you're right, there's a lot going on here. Uh and in a complicated way, like sure, the yeah. racial component Be, of it. Before we I'm lose, sorry, I just wanted I just want to say I had a very similar reaction, Joe. But I liked it initially. I mean, I liked it in 1993 or four, whenever I did see it. Right. But it was a slasher film. It was a yeah. who is the boogeyman in this movie? It's Candyman. Oh, that's a cool boogeyman name. You know, the, yeah. the character Candyman. It was Don't like say a, it. Don't it, say it. Don't it was say like it. a Freddy, right. a Michael, Michael Myers. You know, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've talked about some of the bigs on this. Lest show. we forget. Yeah, but let's let's put it out there that Candyman was like another in that pantheon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about the surrounding narrative that was being built around it. I just thought. Virginia Madsen, pretty young woman who's going to be susceptible to this villain. She's a grad student. What's a grad student? I don't care. You know, I don't know. That that stuff didn't resonate with me. You Cabrini weren't an aspiring Green. grad student yet. You weren't. You didn't think your I whole was life. Not oh, as, I'm going to be a grad student. <laughs> I did not have. Uh, he was just trying not to wet himself while watching. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I was just trying to be tough. And you're front deathly of my, afraid of bees. All my friends. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I am actually pretty afraid. Of, I I love bees. I bees are great. I wasps are jerks, but uh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I like bees for the actual thing that bees do, obviously, yeah, but yeah. I just don't want them around But then when you... Me. Yeah, I understand. Well, we can talk after hours, okay? I'm going to make <laughs> right it down. All right. After uh, hours, bees. But, but seriously, so I have very similar... We're watching it now, 2021, getting ready. I watched it before I went to go see the film in the theater. Getting ready to watch it. I was... I knew it was there because I'd heard people talk about it over the years. I knew that when it was announced that Peel... And the you know had uh, partnered with the Costa. They were doing this project. That oh, there must be a reason. Like they aren't just deciding yeah. oh ar- arbitrarily. This is the film we need to yeah. remake or not remake. But Peel's yeah. horror tends to have some kind of social. Yeah, element. there's got to so be something going on here. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, there is absolutely. If anything, in a subtler way, and we'll get. I don't want to get too much into comparison. In a 1992 way, right? But subtler in a strange way, like you know, 1992. I don't think of as being like a subtle time about race relations or anything. Like, I don't know. It, it just it seems strange how much it was kind of put in there as part of the backstory. 
but it wasn't really, even though it was there and it was a very particular backstory, and they reached back, right? You don't need to necessarily have um, the ghost be somebody who died in the 1800s, right? I mean, like, that that isn't a requirement of a story like this. You could have had him be somebody who died in the 50s, or sure. the, you know what I mean? But they set him in a very particular time being sort of tortured, you know, essentially for his race position, for he, who he was. And for, for being black and falling in love with yet a, that impregnating a white right, woman. Right, right. That doesn't totally motivate the killings. You, you know what I mean? Like, it, it explains why he died this tortured death and why maybe his spirit would be restless and kind of stuck in that, in, you know, the typical ghost story, that right. idea. But it doesn't necessarily explain why then he wants to go after everybody who he does with the hook. Or how he became supernatural. Or how he became supernatural. I if get, indeed yeah, he yeah. exists. Because, because you, <laughs> right, you mentioned right, it earlier, right, there yes. is an element here where we are to believe that she's just going crazy because she and her um, research partner, good friend, uh, say that, say Candyman in front of the mirror and yeah. then nothing happens, you know, which is kind of a letdown because uh, that's why we're here, right? To yeah. see the Candyman emerge and do some damage. Yeah. But we learn, I don't know if now is the appropriate time to give a twist, uh, we learn that she close by looking at some art some graffiti art on the walls of mm-hmm. where Candyman kind of lives doesn't live however you want to put it inside behind the mirror of a uh, we learned that her apartment complex was built by the same developer that made a uh, the 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 Cabrini Green the project. Yeah. project. Yeah. Her and apartment the complex was supposed to be a housing And she project. gives right. a soliloquy to her black friend about the only thing that's different between my apartment and they that apartment and the other apartments is they put it, plaster yeah. on the yeah. wall. And, you know, it's in a nicer part of town. Or I guess it's begun to be gentrified. I, I can't remember exactly the details. Yeah. But the layout is that if you take the bathroom mirror off the wall you see the back of the bathroom mirror and the adjacent apartment and if you could get rid of that then there's just holes Mm -hmm. between the two and it creates too young too dumb to get it it creates i don't know what the windows of perception the idea that when we crawl through these spaces we can find what is dark and sinister on the other side Mm -hmm. and then that's duplicated in the cabrini green project where they go Mm mm-hmm and to begin taking photographs and finding out more about, you know, the Candyman lore. Yeah. And then we see them eventually go into what we're to believe, I guess, is Candyman's lair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean I'm not entirely not sure we're talking the most, so we both looked at you. Call yeah, no, I turn. thought you might want to jump in. So, no, 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 I, no, I do. I just, I, I didn't have a natural place okay. to pick up okay. from there. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, this movie's very, very good. And I think that it's crazy that it is not more widely celebrated. I understand that it has, you know, some, it like, you know, it, it has some, some issues with, you know, the kind of changes that are made to Clive Barker's original short story to kind of root it in America, specifically with these ties that we've already mentioned to, race relations in America and the history of, of racism in America, yet it's being done by a person who is not black and doesn't have the experience of being black in America. So there's obviously going to be some stuff in there that he's going to miss or that isn't, he's not going to quite get right or maybe not think about in a, in as critical a way as maybe you would hope 
mm-hmm. yeah, especially since this is like 1992. I mean, um, not that 1992 wasn't a turbulent year. Anyway, um, but you understand what I'm saying. And, and so because of that, it might not be as praised as it would be if it had kind of hit all the right notes in that, in that regard. But take all of that stuff out of it and look at it as just a pure straight up horror movie. It has everything that an iconic horror movie needs. It has a clearly identifiable iconic villain hook hand, the coat with the fur on it, you know, a very specific Mm -hmm. look to him, you know, the huge, like booming kind of ghostly voice that he speaks with every time he comes Mm -hmm. around. That's like an instantly recognizable sound, you know? Yeah. Um, plenty of kind of catchphrasing like sweets for the sweet be my victim you have mm-hmm. this incredible mural in one of the like abandoned housing projects of like the or one of the abandoned apartments in the housing project where you have uh this hole that's been kind of knocked in the wall and then Candyman's face yeah painted around it with the hole being his mouth like open wide right, right, right. uh you have like insane like kill sequences and like death scenes that you want that you would expect from a slasher movie you have a very climactic ending you have stakes i mean like it has everything that it, it has more i would say than some more celebrated horror films have, yeah i mean you I, know i think in terms of bringing some depth to a slasher film it's hard for me to think of a film that does it as well as this one does at least from that era of the at least from the era certainly you know like we've talked about some of those great early slasher films and and they deserve their place you know in in the conversation and, and they're important for you know many reasons but none of them, save for maybe Halloween, really gets to character backstory and, and, and interesting like victim characters that actually get developed in ways. Yeah. You know, th- this film kind of goes far beyond those and, and far beyond most. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, whereas, whereas with Michael, it's hinted at a little bit with Jason, not as much, and certainly not with Freddy. I mean, you have a villain with some real depth to him. You know, it's like not, you know, Freddie is like, especially as developed later in, I don't know, sequels or remakes where he's just like a full out child molester is just like pretty inherently evil. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. You know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you don't, and especially for a character like that, you don't like necessarily need that much more right. for like story purposes, mm-hmm. but it, but it does add a lot that you have this guy who, uh, you know, suffered an incredibly unfortunate fate for no real fault of his own other than that he didn't, that he dared kind of step outside the very rigid boundaries of the society that he existed in. Um, And I do understand that, like, it doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense for a character like that to um, terrorize lower income black communities uh, right. which is the real like hole in the like kind of subtext of race and things like that that are happening in this yeah. film though on some level because i've i've heard that criticism i mean even before re- re-watching it and then re-watching it certainly it occurred to me it's like oh it seems strange that you, that's like the motivation for the killings doesn't seem to connect as much to the character's backstory but then there is a way that like 
it kind of makes sense that like somebody so wronged and so like would just have more of a blind sort of rage rage and, towards but, but humanity. But then he also does try to frame an affluent woman for a bunch of things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's true. But then in a way that like sort of turns woman. her into a right. folk it, it, figure in the way that he had, yeah as I'm, a means to an end. I, I I had a point going earlier and then I got distracted. Yeah. She resembles the white woman that he fell in love with back in the 1800s. That's the yeah, point I was trying right, to make earlier. Right. She learns that later on in the film, and that point, the audience, I think, is being led to believe that she was spared from just a carnage right. because she said the name five times because he is trying to reconnect with some version of it's his a past love, love. He, yeah well kind of because because he's trying to take her into eternity with yeah, him he's right. trying to mythologize her so that they can live together right and sh- and okay so the reason which of course is not why, gonna work <laughs> sure the reason why we know Candyman is real unless it's a trick is that she couldn't have killed the dog and kidnapped the baby she, that, that was not her. The baby couldn't have stayed alive that long if uh, she was the that, kidnapper. That's it. It's in my notes. Yeah. Because um, she was institutionalized for a month. But right. there's one resident that gives them some information, played by Vanessa Williams, who is has a child. She's a single mother. Not that Vanessa Williams. No. Another Vanessa I thought Williams. that one. No, I, I saw I the just credit. Vanessa say, yeah, yeah. Williams. Yeah. Um, she is... Then the child is abducted and Vanessa Williams' dog is killed. And because of some you know but not as great screenwriting the cops walk in right when Van, um uh, our helen helen now. has a meat cleaver in her yeah hand, classic and they arrest her for the for the attempted murder of the mom and the kidnapping of the it's, ex- it's, exactly it's exactly like, like north by north I, 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 <laughs> I was that very scene as i was watching it i'm like it's like watching Cary grant holding that knife. <laughs> what is he thinking hey we get rear window in the second half um so uh, I'm interested to see where you go with that. Oh, it's that's very okay. So um, then, oh, Candyman yeah. tells her that you can trade your life for the child's, and then, okay, so then, yeah. in the middle of the film, we see they're making a big bonfire for some kind of upcoming party. The child, she gets out of the mental institution that she's been committed to. Escapes, she escapes because Freddy Krueger, like Candyman, shows Helped up and Candyman, helps yeah. her mm-hmm. escape. Yeah. And then um, she saves the child. She is the savior of, of the child at the end of the movie. That's an important note. We'll get back to the child mm-hmm. probably a little bit later. And um, I don't know if we will. But Tony Todd, or Candyman rather, betrays her. Yeah. He, he doesn't want to swap the baby for her life. Yeah, He's he, intending he on, goes back on his burning word. them all surprise, up in the, in the bonfire. Yeah. Um, I thought that there's so much about that bonfire scene that was great, about her funeral where we get to see inside the coffin with a closed casket, but we get to see her yeah. laying in state with the burnt, her hair all burnt off and you know burns yeah. all over her head. Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah, she was we get back when she to, came out of the fire. Yeah, our little um, post-climax little moment is that we get to go visit the uh, husband again who's now <laughs> living with the student that he was philandering with. Well, he done been... She moved in while yeah, that's right. Helen because was she in the comes, hospital. Yeah, she comes back out of the hospital and yeah. like catches it's that. To find but, the yeah. painting, the apartment yes. pink, right? Um, so I think that there's so much interesting kind of narrative swoops that don't distract me at all in this film. That kind of mm-hmm. gives it a little more girth. Yeah, <laughs> it's a girthy <laughs> film. Well, it's 
I yeah, it it, it is definitely a richer film than yeah. I had given it credit for That's as exactly a young, where I landed, yeah. young yeah. person. When I saw it, it was like cool evil character. It, glad I saw it. Oh, fun little gimmick. Forever and ever, people will think it's funny to say Candyman into mirrors or to freak people out saying that. Like, great gimmick, love it. I did it. the Bloody Mary thing a bunch yeah. of times when I was a kid. But that was really where it ended for me. It, well, it And again, in Critical Reputation, I knew that there were other things going on, but I had not gone back. And now, having taken that opportunity, I am glad I did. And I feel like this is the film that people know but if you saw it like me when you were young and you like just appreciated horror maybe for its more most basic elements go back to it now this is going to be a film that actually grew since you left it like because you've sure. grown because you've grown it's been 30 years also it has all of those base things oh it does no it, it's gonna in space you could show this to a 13 year old aspiring horror fan right now who has no sense of gentrification or yeah. you know racial politics and the history and they could still enjoy this just as a because they're not being film. taught critical race theory in school. well <laughs> we can't we're we're really, we're really making it yeah but yeah right um the substitute just shows candy man yeah. <laughs> well, well, we've got candy kids man, so. you want to know what horrors were were inflicted by america i'm going to show you candy man yeah, 1992 you go. you're going to learn everything you do really it's this is technically not against the law <laughs> i don't think uh, but but it is it's just a richer film than i i experienced then so glad that I've returned back to it, and I, I feel like this is one that I'm going to watch again and again in the future. We don't I, learn why they call him Candyman in the film, right? That's not no. It, I I not think really. there's like a well, there's like a couple little like lines thrown in there, but it does not get developed in any clear. I way. think maybe because they covered him in honey. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. something sweet. Well, I don't back know. when they murdered him. When they murdered him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why the bees. Yeah covered him and i was hoping when we programmed this episode that we would not go back to the original i was wrong so glad we did and oh i'm glad glad that there's we had to we're a democracy i didn't even realize that was part of your resistance i was thinking because you felt it was too on the nose we're we're being too obvious pairing candy man no i just didn't like the movie i knew i knew i didn't like. well i'm glad you got the chance to revisit and try too and you said it good this movie's grown in stature uh, it's grown in depth. Yeah. Um, sometimes you watch a movie that's 30 years old and, and it, it it has aged well. And yeah. this one certainly has. Yeah, and and it's a sign that maybe you've aged well. But did this beer, which you were a little bit trepidatious about going into, Joe? Joe did not like it. I can't imagine... Uh, yeah, I, like like candy... No, let me, let me say that a different way. I've left bubble gum behind. I, I'm not a bubble gum person. <laughs> Uh, I don't find the flavor. When was the last time you chewed bubblegum? Well, he came here to kick ass and chew bubblegum. Yeah, I'm all out of gum. So instead, I'll just sip this thing. It, as a novelty beer, quite delicious. Very refreshing. As a sour, it's it's hitting you right in the middle. It's not too sour. It's not, it, it, there is a, a, not a, a, a element of sour. But the bubblegum was not as off-putting. In fact, it comes across a little more... Uh, general fruity fruit punchy but almost. when you're drinking it and using your nose mm-hmm. uh, breathing through your yeah. nose maybe while you're taking a sip there's bubble go- bubble gum mm. going in and out on the nose they captured it there no doubt well i was actually curious about this because going into it i was it, it, it made me think 
what the hell is bubblegum flavor? It's not like there's just something you scrape in nature that smells like bubblegum. I mean, That's a, I, it's, I am almost 30 years old and I've never in my life even considered this as a question to ask. Well, okay. But the, because I was like, what flavors am I going to want to pull out yeah. other than bubblegum? Or what flavors are they going to put together to duplicate a bubblegum? And yeah. here's w- w- reading up a little bit. A typical bubblegum flavor would be created by combining banana, pineapple, sometimes cinnamon, cloves, wintergreen, vanilla gets included, sometimes cherry, lemon, and orange. So it's interesting. I definitely, banana, pineapple, I can kind of pull those out a little bit. There's something, um, you know, that like estery kind of quality that you get with banana. Although it's so... There, there is maybe like some cherry in there or something that kind of pulls I mean, it in more it's of being. a right a stone fruit direction yeah. away from just a straight. But I don't know. It's the banana so, and pineapple for sure. Yeah, banana for sure. After you vanilla, said banana, I'm I getting a little. I've been enjoying this more than I thought I would, in part because That's, I think I read up on what <laughs> bubblegum flavor was. Because I'm thinking, oh, I'm, there really are these different elements. You, yeah, to it. you really fucked us by holding out the entire time. <laughs> Sorry, man. I could have been having the I'm, same I'm, experience that you were well, having. You still got some in your glass. I guess. A little bit. What was your experience? I liked it more than you thought I would. Yeah. Well, just based on how much was left in your glass, I didn't think you enjoyed it. That was my tiny glass. Oh, it's a tiny glass. Um, <laughs> I I uh, also liked this beer more than I thought I would. I mean, I I've seen this on the internet or in places, whatever. Like I've seen it. I've been a aware of its existence for a minute now. And I do very much enjoy Martin house. Um, I avoided it cause it sounded wacky. And I've also been staying a little bit away from sours. It just hasn't, they, they haven't been doing as much for me as maybe they it's sometimes right. take a did. break when things are getting too monotonous. Yeah. For you. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I haven't really been going that direction lately. Um, and so I was trepidatious about this going in, but it is quite delicious, I would say. And and an- another thing I would say in regards to what you said, Joe, I feel very similarly about this beer as I do about Big Rojo. Insofar as that, I mean, I do like bubblegum. I don't like Big Red. And the way that the bubblegum is like distilled balanced in the beer in a way is where it's not, it's not so crazy Mm -hmm. sweet or so just because they could have overpowered the sour base with sweetness to make it like straight up gum flavored, you know, straight up bubble gum flavored. And so I think that they let the sour base beer play around with intermingle in a nice way. It does have a nice balance to it. Not too tart, which is why I've been avoiding sours is yeah. the intense tartness hasn't been jiving with me lately. Uh-huh. But not too sweet either. I, and I I think it's I think it's pretty solid. I'm sort of... In, I, initially, I was thinking this should have more body if it's a lactose sour. That's true. But I kind of didn't mind. I, didn't I do mind think it it's, at all. I do think it softens it a little bit, it, and that probably helps with more the playful. tartness. It's well, it's, yeah, it's it, it's just not as sharp as as I think a, a sour with maybe. This isn't like a jaw lactose. hinge type, not of, a jaw hinge type situation. of. But if I go to if I go to Martin House or if I went to Isla Street uh, to get the Rojo to get this bubblegum beer at Martin House, I'm one and done on this. 
I'm going to try yeah, it. No, for the, sure. These for aren't sure. beers try that you're going to want to be. I'm not slamming this. a sixer of this. Yeah. Right. Oh, but I'm glad you brought it. Or a four-pack. I don't know what it comes in. It's a it's a four pack, but you, you absolutely. I would not sit down and drink all four of these in one evening myself. But actually, I drank that twelve ounce can, no problem. Yeah. enjoyed it. Um, it was. It's a, not a chore. No, not at all. It's a fun beer to have. I think it's definitely if you're adventurous and you like those kind of uh, wilder flavor combinations, give this one a shot. It's not going to disappoint you. Um, we're going to find out in the second half of this episode if. This 2021 take on Candyman disappoints us, uh, and perhaps you'll find out if it's going to disappoint you, based on what we say, when we return. I think I kind of was Carlos gave it to you Yeah we were We were I mean you overpowered me Because I was trying to go With the more subtle And we're back And I knew that If I was going to get in there All right. well You certainly got in there Before we get on I got to get in there actually As we were breaking It occurred to me How the fuck did we go through the first half of this episode without me gushing over Philip Glass doing the score for Candyman? Okay, when I was watching this, I wish I would have fucking written anything down because I didn't, but as I was watching this movie, the first movie, I was like, holy shit, this score is good. Who the fuck did this? And then I looked it up and it was Philip Glass, (laughs) and I was like, ooh, okay. Have it's, you, ha- it's really good. I was gonna say, is this this has been pressed, right? Mm-hmm. There's been yeah, copies for sure, of this. For All sure. right, yeah. Well, it, because because as soon as I saw, as soon as I looked it up and saw his name, I was like, oh yeah, I've seen this record before, and been surprised that it was Philip Glass when okay. I'd see like Candyman by Phil, you know whatever. Um, yeah, the music is so fucking good. Yeah, in that movie, agreed. Um, which is another thing that makes it so crazy to me that it's not like higher in the pantheon. Of like all time great well, horror I, movies. I think it, it, we need to move on to new things, but I do think Joe's right that it suffered a little bit from being in that era, which was kind of a low point for horror in a certain way as a genre. Mm. So like, I feel like people were expecting so little out of horror films at that point that there wasn't maybe the the room for the celebration of this. But I don't know. That that's that's uh, just me positing. Well, now we it's just, 2021 and we're super, super smart. So I'm sure they got it all correct. We get it. We get it now. <laughs> Before Let's we get some beer, though. the film, though, we need beer. And and you may have already heard. I cracked one open, been pouring it. Uh, somebody was going to fill us in on this one that I'm <laughs> filling I, my glass I, with. Right? I, I can because I brought it. Um, now, as Stash we... Strong. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. Uh, Is it, it's supporting be like brain kind of cancer of, research. Okay, there you go. Uh, great cause. Um, so... As we mentioned in the first half of the episode, uh, an important piece of the Candyman mythology, the mirror repeating the name situation, was borrowed from the Bloody Mary fable, lore, whatever. And as a recovering Catholic, (laughs) the Bloody Mary mirror thing was something I was raised with. It's something I heard very frequently as a child. Now, the big difference is they extended Candyman to five times Bloody Mary in my recollection from my childhood is you just say Bloody Mary Bloody Mary Bloody Mary and then so it's three times and so we're going back to the roots Citra 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 (laughs) (laughs) only three times not five not five times at Candyman only three times but um, 
This is from Decadent Ales. Can I blow your mind? Uh, the last time we had Decadent Ales, we did uh, Get Out. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> what? There's no way that's real. Episode 33. Holy wow. shit, it's been that long. We had Folks. the strawberry frosted pastry. What the Oh, fuck? that was good. That, that was, was good. good. Shit. Holy shit. Uh, that's cool. A case yeah. of history repeating, folks. You really... That fucked me up, honestly. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, so this is a... Uh, triple India pale ale brewed with loads of citra hops, hence the name Citra, Citra, Citra. That's it. Nothing else. It, Done. Poor Super Hazy. 10.1%. And it is just... I think I, I think I wasn't quite prepared to introduce the beer because I think I'm also introducing this film. So we are talking about Candyman <laughs> uh, 2021. This is... 10.1, thank you. A uh, This is... A direct sequel to Candyman 1992, which we just talked about, and it is um, directed by Nia DaCosta, uh, who has two other features under uh, her belt, um, being uh, Little Woods in 2018, starring Tessa Thompson, and And the upcoming. She has something coming up? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I yeah. The I, sentence we say oh, most. Oh, the Marvels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're huh. gonna do a we're gonna do a film today, like, and this yeah. person her is directing the like upcoming the, MCU the new wave of MCU. Okay, yeah. well, I'm hopeful uh, for that. Um, it, uh, I oh god, that's a whole other can of worms. I can't believe you just introduced that. But written by her, Jordan Peele and Wynne Rosenfeld, who I'm not familiar with, President of Monkey Paw, which produced the film produced black Klansman, the twilight zone series seems like a lot of stuff the hunters uh series um but anyway so this is a direct sequel like we said um and as i, as I understand it it's a direct sequel to the original then they're not considering the they're next not two considering films the next canon. two because right. nobody involved in the original Candyman had anything to do with those two except i guess tony todd sure um so yeah, a direct sequel to 1992. And in this movie, we are back in Cabrini Green, which is now being gentrified. And well, it's, in, it's been leveled pretty okay. much. I mean, there, so it there has are a few been. remaining few remaining buildings we do yeah. find out later, but most of the high rises are gone. Yeah. Most of the neighborhood has been changed over to these luxury lofts. Plush, yeah, right, right. shit like that. And so we're looking at um, or we're following Anthony McCoy, who is a visual artist, painter mostly, uh, who's living in one of these luxury lofts, mm-hmm. um, who is kind of at a, he's having what, whatever the writer's block equivalent for painters right, is, you know, right. he's at like this kind of crossroads Lack of, of inspiration. Career. He doesn't have, he hasn't painted in projects, two years. Right, right. Um, and he's trying to get this, he's trying to get into a show, but he doesn't have any new material. And he finds his way into the Candyman mythology. Right. Uh, via his, v- via the story of Helen Lyle, via the story of Helen Lyle, which as it's retold by Anthony, McCoy's girlfriend's brother, played mm-hmm. by Nathan Stewart Jarrett. Uh, Anthony McCoy is played by Yahya Abdul Mateen II. I think it's Yahia. Yahia? I, okay. That, that's how I wasn't I, sure if the H was supposed no, to be. No, I am. Yeah. Yahya Abdul Mateen II. 
Um, yeah, and Anthony or ugh, Nathan Stewart Jarrett, who looks incredibly familiar, but I looked at his uh, filmography and I didn't. I don't think I've seen any of the stuff he's been in. But yeah, so his uh, sister is dating Anthony McCoy. So um, he tells the story of Helen Lyle. And that leads Anthony down this track of like figuring out who that was, like what it meant to Cabrini Green, which is doesn't exist as it once did, and all right. that stuff. Um, and then, fatefully, Anthony, the artist, runs into William Burke, who owns a laundromat, played by Coleman Domingo, who I have a lot to say about. We'll get there. Hmm. Um, William Burke. He gives the whole rundown, tells him everything. The story of Candyman. Story of Candyman. Well, we see a flashback where, as a child, he yeah. is confronted by Candyman. A so this yeah so that's the cold open for the film, and that's when we're introduced to the fact that there have been people that this community has seen as Candyman at different points, or that it has taken more literal, corporeal kind of forms over the years. Yeah. Um, Which, if there's an urban legend in your neighborhood called Candyman, don't just decide as, like, your gimmick to start handing to out start candy handing to out kids. Candy, yeah. Even if you mean it nicely, it's yeah. probably a bad and don't, move. And don't live in the walls. Uh, yeah, as it, <laughs> it's a bad move, generally. Creeping around in the broken, yeah. open walls is a bad idea, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, so that's, that's part of his big expository kind of monologue where he's like, there was this guy and he had this hook for a hand and he, you know, whatever. And the cops came in and they thought he was this guy that they were looking for that was putting razor blades in the candy. And he was beaten to death on the spot. And then more razor blades showed up and more candy weeks later. And he was then exonerated. They had the wrong guy because that's what cops do generally. Um, and, and so that sets Anthony off on this path of, learning more about Candyman, incorporating that into his art, building the, you know, he has this showing in a gallery called Say My Name where it's a mirror that opens up to yeah. paintings that depict some of the horrors that are kind of... Uh, with, a, with a flyer that gives the lore and says, look in this mirror and say Candyman yeah. five times. Yeah, yes. And, but the mirror does open up yeah. to show paintings uh, on the other side of the wall, wall yeah, right. which is kind of a callback yep. to the first, yeah. Um, not directly, but, you know in a more subtle way. And so then obviously, as you said, the flyer says to say Candyman in the mirror five times, Candyman is then summoned. People start dying. He's bitten by a bee, which starts to cannibalize his body. <laughs> the, the bee sting, which I have a lot of questions about that as well. Um, it's in my notes, but, but yeah. And then, and so then the events of the film unfold from there and you know, they go in different directions. Now, what I'll just say from the top of this, as far as review without like continuing to go down the rabbit hole of plot points is that this movie is despite some of its flaws, an instant classic and it is so because like the first film, it has a lot of the trappings of your base horror what you want from mm-hmm. it. There's some creative kills. There's some very stunning imagery in it. There are magnificent performances from a couple of different people. Uh, the score is incredible. Um, yeah. Which I are, I already put my phone down and so I don't have the name off the top of my head, but he is a member of the band Ohm, which is Al Cisneros' side project. Oh, is that right? Al Cisneros being the bass player of sleep. Robert 
Aiki Aubrey Lowe. Aubrey Lowe, yeah. Uh, yeah, he performs with, with Ohm. Uh, great band if you haven't listened to them. Uh, check out the album God is Good. Uh, and Also it, known as Lichens. Yeah, also known as Lichens. Okay, boys. Uh, the music's great, uh, but sorry. dude, the, uh, no, the music, the music honestly, is very the, good. You, you can dismiss the scores all you want, but these films would not be as good as they are without Horror the scores especially. that they have. The, uh, the I, opening I credit sequence of this film is so good, is powerful as hell. Yeah. Those like reverse uh, yes, motion it's shots. Very okay, jarring. I watched the. Okay, do you hold mind on, if we hold, just hold, uh, talk, me, talk about the score and the opening credits real quick? Okay. A, I didn't say the score was bad or dismiss it. B, I was pulling y'all out of some kind of ohm spiral. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, as a, then yeah. you're right, David. The opening credits, but before that, and if y'all, I mean, the um, you know how you go to a film and there's 17 different production companies that have to put their fancy logo up. Those yeah. are backwards. backwards. Yeah. And I thought Very to myself, nice touch. am I going to have to go tell this projectionist that they got the goddamn they're movie mirrored. backward? Yeah, they are they're mirrored. mirrored, but they're mirrored. And then yeah. that opening. Uh, okay. So, so then I watched Candyman 1992 second, and it's the same opening shot. In a way, helicopter going through downtown Chicago showing skyscrapers. Yeah. But so they so she mirrored clear day, uh, clear, clear yeah. day. This is the tops of skyscrapers with fog down on the ground, yeah. and you can't see you can't see what's you can't underneath. See the sky. You right. can't see right. what's underneath. Yeah. And the angles Very were so bizarre. And I was like, Okay, here we go. We're off on a good ride here. Already yeah. creative, and we're not even to yeah. the credits yet. Yeah. Yeah. Back yeah. to you, Carlos. That that opening shot is very i mean it it really just sets you up and mm-hmm. uh tells you like okay you're watching a filmmaker that has a very particular eye and a very distinct vision buckle up you know um but not only is does it have all of those just kind of fundamental things you want it's got great kills it's got a great score it has it's got some body horror some body horror it has good performances it has um you know an updated mythology that's set into the present day but it also has so much more than that i mean there's so much to chew on with this film i mean it's about an artist who's talking about you know, an urban myth set in like a lower income neighborhood that is gone now. And he, and you know, a critic accuses him of being part of the problem of gentrification. Like by as living, an artist, by living, as an artist, in, the by living in the gentrified area. area. Yeah. And then also like the obsessive nature of artists and creatives and like mm-hmm. how, you know, overwhelming those projects can tend to be and how it can overtake your life if you like let it and uh what it means to make meaningful art and it also is the film is also fixing some of the stuff with the kind of racial history and race relations stuff that the first one got wrong and there's there's or that the first one didn't develop in, Didn't in develop. any clear way i, yeah. I mean or, I but like but but specifically about Candyman preying on lower income black right. communities whereas this one is going in a different direction um and yeah so the last thing i'll say is that i've seen coleman have been going a lot of things it turns out but after having seen him in zola which yeah. came out this yeah. year i am now obsessed with this man Oh, he's great. He's, he's great. so, and it, 
But that's good. I was worried when the you best... singled him out that you were actually going to say something no, negative no, 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 about no, no, him. Like, no, no, no. Which I, I have am... some things to talk about. I'm, I don't I'm, know. I'm, 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 I'm obsessed I with... I hate this motherfucker. The, <laughs> the, he... My, new Morgan Freeman. Okay. He has well, the, the best voice, voice since voice. Morgan I'd Freeman. Lo- I would love to hear him do some voiceover stuff. Love to stuff. hear him do some voiceover. I hope... And he probably has, but... I hope that he... I, I want to see him lead some stuff. But he's he good on a, screen, and I agree. Zola I had a lot of problems with, oh. but... I loved Same, him. But he anytime was so he was on screen, it was really movie. fun to watch. Yeah. Had I been more up on the original Candyman, I would have been more excited about the Jordan Peele aspect of this because he has done a, I think, very good job in putting some social commentary into most of the horror things that he's created. As us, the, us was kind of a mess, but uh, Get Out was uh, yeah, another. Go back and listen classic. to our Us review because that <laughs> I felt the same way. Well, and. Uh, but I do like any film right now that is discussing the elements of black America that are under the microscope here from the creation of the projects back in the day and displacing a whole ethnicity into one area and then displacing them again so that they can be torn down for the benefit of wealthier people that never would have looked at that neighborhood prior to then. It, that is literally happening, happening in the city where we live. Yeah, yeah it is. Like, uh, and, and, at this exact moment. Sure. And then um, the, um, the, 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 the commentary that's going on about police brutality and you know discrimination yeah. that needs... Mm-hmm. some conversations in this country to be continuing which is crazy so, so, so that yeah that's it, which all is on crazy my, that it still needs it's, to be it's all on my pros list but i hand. but i have a cons list too David, well, they, they, is it, the cons list revolving around the bee sting it's on there huh. <laughs> interesting you guys didn't like the bee sting well let's go i would there. like you to explain the bee sting yeah, yeah. Oh, let me ask <laughs> what you, do you mean look let me ask you this was he stung by a bee maybe okay I mean, if I, anyone had shown that he is, any, whether it's in his mind or not, I don't know. If anyone had stood in that location and inter- intersected with that bee, would they have been stung by that bee? Because there's a supernatural element to that yeah, bee sting. Oh, absolutely. And well, there's there, a purpose for bringing him into the whole Candyman thing. Sure, very similar, parallel to what we saw in the first Candyman. I mean, we have switched, to some extent, some of the identity coordinates of the character but the idea that this character is lured in by the telling of the story of Candyman and then becomes so obsessed with it that he or she in the in the case of the first film maybe has just become obsessed with it in a way that they're starting to manifest it themselves and it's in their mind that's still a way of reading this film I mean that to me the bee sting the fact that no so I because I could look at it going two ways it gets really grotesque. That's the body horror of the film primarily is that he gets this beasting. It keeps festering and becoming this like, right. And and eventually like his skin just starts becomes honeycombed. Yes. Honeycombed under it. Which is, I loved that. Yeah. No, once it gets to that level, you're like, okay, they went all in. Um, Totally here for this. Great makeup. Practical effects on this film. Um, I think that, you know, you can look at it. Is this all in his mind? And that's why nobody around him really seems to care about it, at least in the way that people would. I mean, it's a pretty terrible wound but when people, he's picking at it. People acknowledge him. No, but the woman just looks at him and is like, don't do that. Yeah, like, that's true. That, she's very, she acknowledges it, 
but, but it's not like, to the severity you would expect. No, you yeah. would see if I was sitting next to somebody at the table and they're, I'm like, oh man, let me take you to the emergency yeah, room. What happened yeah, with you? Yeah. Oh, I got yeah. stung by a bee. And he does right eventually go, go which to, is a plot to the device. hospital. And we do hear now. That I, which I thought a, that was interesting that there's a little moment where you hear like, oh, I'm so glad you came in. We're gonna check you, and then it cuts to him leaving. Because he's just learned this bit of information about himself and where he's actually from, you know. And I mean, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, yeah. the baby he's from the, the fire. Baby. He's a baby. He thought he was born on this and raised on the south side. In fact, he comes to learn he was born when his mom was living in Cabrini Green and actually was uh, Anne Marie from the very first film, right? But, you know. So, the, all that said. Whether it's in his mind that he has this thing and that's why nobody's reacting to it, or it is this supernatural kind of infection, it plays either way. And I kind of like that it lives in this gray area because it's this thing that is just, it's so obviously a problem and yet nobody is really, he's not going to help himself. Nobody's really going to help him with it. It seems like he's hiding it. Yes, it was, yes, it was acknowledged, but for the majority of the film, especially when he gets going in this fervor of artistic expression and painting canvas after canvas of different candy right. men you know, Over imagery time, yeah um it, it feels like he spends a lot of the film alone in sure. the pursuit of understanding the candy man lore and then uh, until he's not alone because right. uh you know he goes there's an art critic that gives him yeah. kind of a poor review and then okay some plot parts there, though. Sure. Some murders occur around he his art. He makes the work based on Candyman. Right. And then uh, the the art dealer where the show is, where this piece is, on my con list is the cartoonish bullshit of that guy and that girl and that entire oh, scene. Oh, I thought that was funny. I, I don't know. I Wait, wait I, are you talking about in the gallery when yes. they murdered? Yeah. Oh, I... <laughs> I, I, I was dying at her just the joy naming Joy Yeah, no, I thought it was hilarious. That was, it I was mean, so funny. and it was such a great little send up of the also, art world. I also, mean, whenever he's, those two kills were fantastic. Gra- yeah. I mean, great kills, great way to start things off, but especially because they, they come, characters were stupid cartoons. Yeah, sure, but 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 yeah, they but, they, but, they're but char- that's fine. They're they're gonna. They're, they're, it's yeah. it's fine that they're cartoons because they're dispatched so early. Yeah, and they're gonna have sex, and she wants to say Candyman yeah. in front of this. Yeah, art and it's piece but and, it's a great way to start the film, and it we get Candyman action a lot earlier in it than we did in the original, which I think this movie really benefits from because you know when you're when you're doing horror, if you end the first act or begin the second act with a really good kill you can get away with not having another one until the end of the second. So like there can be a big mm-hmm. gap yeah. in time because, because at that point, now that you've established like a precedent with the audience that you're willing to do this, this early, right. The rest of the film is pins and needles. You're on the edge of your seat wondering sure. when the next one is coming. And so I think that really services like the horror aspect of the film. I think that they're hilarious in like, again, the joy division shit, I was dying. And then whenever, uh, whenever the character Anthony is leaving, he's all fucked up. He's leaving the gallery and he's like, Oh yeah, you're stockpiling up uh, plan B's for your intern program. Yeah. Uh, plan B pills for your intern program. I thought that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> and, I mean, cause you know, the art scene, especially when you're talking about power dynamics therein, I mean, can be very exploitative for sure. the people that are trying to break into it yeah. vi- via the people that hold the keys, but, you know, but after the night that his art piece and this, 
this critic gives him a negative review when his art pieces debuted. Then some murders happen around the art piece, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, he's a buzzing figure in the art world. The and- critic that once dismissed him is now very interested in him. And like, look, I, I w- so I was talking to Josh about this movie just before I came here to record, and you know, um, he was curious like what I thought about it and stuff like that, and I was like, I. I think I like this movie a lot and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that I, one of the reasons I like it so much is that as an artist myself, I can relate to some of the, cause before the Alamo draft house screening, there's like a segment of Nia DaCosta talking about films that are like about making art before the film starts. And that this movie is a film about making art. And so I can relate to that. And one thing that I can relate to, to especially, I mean, not to this degree because I'm not fucking insane, but like negative attention is still good attention. I mean, like I have been in a situation or like the first time that anybody ever cared enough to write about anything I had ever done, it was a scathing review about how terrible it was. (laughs) And before that, I mean, like, you know, my friends listened to my music, but like nobody else really did. Like, you know, and this was some guy like, in Ohio or something that wrote this whole review for this blog about how terrible my record was and about how full of shit I was. And (laughs) he, and he, he referred to it as fake emo quote unquote. And, uh, and I loved it. I was like, this is fucking sick. And like (laughs) my band camp, plays went way up like more people downloaded it than they had ever had before and all this stuff and like we named our next record fake emo revival Mm -hmm. uh, because at the time the emo revival was something that people talked about a lot and so like and so even though in this way it's kind of almost like it's borderline evil that he's so excited about people caring about like when the news coverage is happening and he's like literally smiling that's a funny scene scene. yeah Yeah. Uh, especially because at first you don't know that anybody else is right right yeah and then his sister and her brother just looking at him him like yeah yeah, totally disgusted by it but that same art critic invites him over yeah and then he realizes i guess he's going to dispatch her if you really want to know Candyman, go into your bathroom and say his name five times she does Candyman comes arrives yeah. and he leaves. Well, but then we hold on real quick. But then we see a scene outside the, the building, scene, right? yeah, and it's a pan out where we're seeing her window in the high rise windows, and yeah. I'm like, this is, here, here we go, real window. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Just to tie that up from Thank the you, first yeah. half. Thank but you. and she get, and she gets violently murdered. Yeah, and, and thrown up against the glass and yeah. boy, blood everywhere. But, but don't miss and and I feel like we're we're losing like the, one yeah, of the things this film develops is this whole motif of the mirrors and the way that the mirrors work. Like we don't see Candyman arrive to kill the people in the art gallery in the real world. We see them on the mirror side. We see the action having consequence on the real world side, but it seems too. Yes. Right. But in the bees are only on the other side. Um, But then in that apartment scene, we see that he's looking into the mirror and he's seeing himself as Candyman at that point. And so that, you know, there, there's this catch that. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, where yeah, he's, yeah. there's oh, a long time. extended sequence. Oh, oh yeah. no, 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 no. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought you meant like while I, she's in the bathroom and he kind of goes searching for her, and then he just yeah, runs no, into no, no, this no. wall length mirror. But, yeah. but at one point he sees Candyman behind her in the bathroom. I thought that's what you meant. 
Right. Is that no. that was him as well? No, I mean I meant the mirror thing. Yeah, he's, when he's know, like looking very, directly very when Groucho he's marks. Yeah, yeah. when he's looking directly at himself. Anyone in the real world believes a phantom spirit is doing this, but if you are looking into a mirror, you can see Candyman right. doing it. Right, and that right. that is played to good effect, I think. When one of the girls that goes to that art opening and takes a flyer away with her is in high school, goes to her high school, takes four or five girls to the bathroom, and they start doing Candyman into the mirror. One of them freaks out after three. Yeah. Smart girl. <laughs> the only one that survives, but the only action. And this is, I thought this was a really interesting uh, body count idea. Let's not show the violence. Let's just listen to the audio yeah, of the violence. Yeah. And well, there's a small makeup mirror on the ground and we can kind of see a tiny bit of action. We see blood flowing into the frame a lot of blood. on the floor, but we do not see any kills there. I thought that was a bit effective. Yeah. 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 Especially given the age of the victims in that one too. But I, my biggest con in the movie. It's important to note that the girl who started that, at the school was at the art gallery. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's she brought it from the art piece yeah. to the right. yeah. yeah. And it seems to me that anybody that went to that art exhibit that that saw that piece and read that thing as a goof on a date or anything else would say, "Oh yeah, let's do this Candyman thing and there'd mm-hmm. be a lot more bodies to my point of view in the first half." My, my but biggest, you're con, you're big my con. biggest problem with the film if a supernatural thing is taking place and we are to believe that it is, and he, the artist, is uh, Yaya, is going under some kind of trans, uh, transformation from the bee sting, then he is already fully invested in whatever the candy man, and, w- and we learn what it all is a little bit later, is happening. Therefore, to go back and see that the um the, the young boy help me with the the character name the 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 guy from Cabrini Green oh William uh, Burke William yeah Burke. William Burke is going to now Billy manufacture Burke. the com- the rest of the transformation in this Doctor No James Bond soliloquy expository See, thing did he start is one hundred percent unnecessary. And well, breaks the but entire. But no, film. I loved it because it's like was unnecessary. He was he the one who actually killed his sister? Was he the one? Like, did the idea of Candyman soak into like him and he went nuts? He had he a did... lot of knowledge about everything Candyman without yeah, having, right. having said well, the that's thing what five saying, times like, in I, a way. And there, and there and there's a scene. It was where, bad writing. Didn't need to happen. There's a, it, huh. it. I don't know if it's. I don't know. If Although it's bad. I had to look away during the horror of that scene. I had to look away. Those it, are things I don't dig. Yeah, I don't C- know if cutting it, the bones. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's bad writing necessarily because it was very intentional and the groundwork for that had been laid already because there's a scene where I don't remember exactly what the context of it was, but we saw Candyman. And at this point, we're already like aware of the fact that Sherman Fields, the guy who Billy sees in the laundromat, is the Candyman we've been seeing so far. We see him... And we just see him in silhouette, so we never see his face. And no, you see ha- his face in that scene that David was talking about in the critic's apartment. It's- no, 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 for sure, for sure. But there's there's another scene, and I'm I'm, I'm saying that I can't remember exactly when it was, um, but it it wasn't it wasn't a scene where Candyman killed anybody, I don't think. But we do see him, and it's present day. It's not a flashback, and you know we can tell it's the coat. We can tell it's Candyman. But the hair is different. He has William Burke's haircut, like the the oh. kind of the part in it. You okay. know, you can huh, see. That's interesting. I, I, I didn't. I, know, pick that I, up. I noticed it in the silhouette, and it made me think. It wasn't super obvious 
and I could totally be making this up, but I but I but I noticed the hair and I thought yeah. William Burke's the guy. Like he's yeah. up he's more involved in this than the I don't film know, yeah, has led on at this point. And it makes me think that yeah, I mean, you know, there is I mean, clearly you know, every probably horror film director at this point has been influenced by Hitchcock, but there's some Hitchcockian kind of like, sure. are they innocent? Are they not? Is, you know, is what they're experiencing real? Is it a psychosis kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of even plays into the William Burke character. Maybe he is the one that was killing these people, you know, like maybe mm-hmm. he did kill, maybe, maybe he killed the people in the gallery. Maybe he killed the critic because yeah. he wanted to, he was the, one of the disciples. I mean, Candyman in the original refers to like his it, disciples. It's a far as, reach. He wouldn't have known what high school to be at when in the women's restroom. That, that's a big well, reach. Well, wait, but if, but he was, if he was, if he was at the, the art gallery, gallery and he was looking at, yeah, you had to go he? back he, to, if he was at the opening, well, the, the film people. is and a bad narrator because we're watching the mirror and we're watching the, yeah, no, I get it. But again, I like living in that that gray area where it's like maybe this is something that's being done by people who've been so affected by this ghost story maybe it's an actual ghost yeah i like when it lives in that area i think the first film did that to an extent with helen lyle i think this film definitely does it with anthony and uh and william William, i i I don't know i i think (laughs) it's it's just it's asking questions it's called it's well, presenting doubt. Yeah. Well, we probably should jump ahead to the end in after Anthony is Frankensteined into Candyman in order that he be shot. Because gnarly. Because what's his name? Has uh, called the cops. Uh, William Burke has. Yeah, Burke is going to off. make sure that the cops show up and see a man with a hook with blood all over him. And we know and he knows that the police will shoot that guy on sight. And the, the girlfriend's candy, there and the watching. The Candyman legend will live on, and the Candyman yeah. legend will live on because Burke's excuse or reason is, I don't want this gentrification to continue, and the Candyman lore will protect this neighborhood from affluent people coming yeah. in if they believe there's murders happening all of the right, time. Right, right. So the cops do show up, they do kill him, and then one of the best scenes in the film, one of the best scenes in the film. The girlfriend is in the back of a cop car. The car, a cop comes in and explains to her, it's going to happen like this. Yeah. You're going to say that we had to shoot him or you're going to go to jail for the rest of your yeah. life. Yeah, and she says, be? I'll do anything you say as long as I can see myself. He tilts yeah. the rear view mirror. She says, oh, Candyman and Anthony dead now comes back and dispatches every single every police officer. Every single yeah. one. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Tiana then, Paris, by the way, really good in this. Very good so. in this, yeah. yeah she very was good, good in this. Uh, and then at the very end, finally, I was, gonna, I was close to being like so mad at this movie. Uh, finally, we get Tony Todd back. Yeah. At the no, they, very, they, I very think, end. I like that they saved it. I, for, I do too, but I thought they weren't going to include him, yeah. which would have made me profoundly sad. And, and they couldn't have called it Candyman because that would have been a spoiler, but Candy it would men. have been <laughs> a better title because what we're learning is in this film that the lore of Candyman is that other figures were substitutes for the original through time because of all of this kind of social unrest toward the the, the black man yeah well the, yeah the, well, the wrongful deaths the wrongful deaths the police yeah, brutality yeah. Candyman is about the unjustified killing of black men right right and i love that that much needed message is getting a 
some attention on the big screen, a, but at the same time, very direct way. <laughs> it's very, it's asking you to take a big, big bite, but okay. It's, it, there's a lot in there. I mean, I think if this film has any, uh, sin that it's committed, it's, it's a sin of ambition and trying to fit too much in. It's not very long, is it? No, but it's I like mean, concept wise. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 but, no, but I'm it, saying a lot of concept in a short yeah. run time. That didn't, but but honestly, that it just kept me, me engaged. It, it, like I loved all the little threads that it had. I loved that you know. Again, I hear where you're coming from on a lot of the the criticisms that that you've put forth, Joe. But to me, all of them really amount to well. But that's room to kind of think. What what is it that's? Are we actually seeing what's going on? Wh- whose perspective are we getting? How subjective is this? I love films that put me in that space. It's hard to argue with a film that makes you ask questions. Yeah, and and Over, and, and like has, that. there's so much to talk about. Now the one the, you know the, the the one critical interpretation I've seen that's been you know strongly negative seemed to hammer on that the stuff that it's saying about race is too obvious. At this point, it's such obvious commentary. Uh, and, that did occur in the I way did it's think being that. led. And I understand that. I think for it didn't bother me, especially from the standpoint of a, a black audience who maybe has had to wrestle with these things for much longer and live with them much longer. And it's like, yeah, this is like not felt news. Way. I get it, and and so in that sense, I understand that Candyman is probably not much of a rev. It's not even. A, I don't know that it's a revelation for me, but it's not a revelation for the black audience in general, I would imagine. No. But I, but I, I do either. think it's doing some interesting things and it's taking this film that had a really incredible premise to begin with and and sort of teasing it out and, and pushing it in some directions. It has to be a little obvious to make that work in the time span mm-hmm. of a feature-length film, but, but I'm totally willing to go with it there. So I, I get it that yeah. this may not be for all audiences, but... This one did work for it, me. It did. It did occur to me at one point that it, yeah, I was like, okay, this, there's a good portion of this that's pretty on the nose. Um, but have, again, it didn't bother me. I have two small criticisms. And I'm only going to say them if we promise not to really get deep into them. The girlfriend's <laughs> father that committed suicide in a flashback when oh, she was yeah, young, completely yeah. useless, did not go anywhere. Did I, not I contribute don't know if it didn't anything go to the story. It kind it kind of uh, explained her relationship to the art world and some of the Maybe. her current boyfriend. And then number two, I can't remember. <laughs> it's a ten point two ABV, right? It's I don't remember 10. what it was. 1, yeah, um, yeah. I, an, another thing that I wanted to mention that I was, uh, and this will be an after hours uh, thing, so I'll have to write it down. Um, I really was. I was just happy to see uh, Carl Clemens Hopkins. Um, he is the guy in the art gallery who is talking to Anthony about and like accuses him of finding oh, these yeah. paintings at Hobby Lobby yeah. or something like yes. that. Yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. like, I painted them, you fucking right, bitch. Right. You know? and, and he shows up a little bit later in, at the dinner scene, right? Or th- th- uh, there's I, a scene that he's in later. He might where have. He them. might have. Uh, oh, what's he from? I don't even know. Hacks. Oh, on HBO I Max, which I have been watching, All and right. I won't say anything else okay. about okay. it. Okay, uh, okay. But we should talk about Hacks and After Hours, because um, it does relate to a film that I, at least for me, that I think we have discussed, and I'll have to call on Joe for that research when we get into the After Hours. But, uh, yeah, that scene, that scene was kind of funny. I, I just, I don't know. As... 
I do, <laughs> I do maybe relate to Anthony McCoy more than I would care to, especially how he reacts to the circumstances of, uh, these murders occurring around his piece or whatever, uh, you know, it's tough to be an artist that is are when you're doing things you believe in and you don't really feel like you're being understood, you know, yeah. you don't feel like people are really understanding them or people think that, Oh yeah. Like that's so pastiche or like, you know, so yeah. played out like, like as if painting is ever going to be out of style or whatever, like, Right. Painting is sick. Like people that can paint are fucking magicians. Like that shit is hard as fuck. Uh, well, yes. I, I read a thing that said that when uh, in the final scene with the cops in the car and t- Tony Todd shows up at the end, that um, that the bees uh, that are all around Anthony's head um, kind of divide so you can see the face, and that in that sequence you see all five faces of all five men that had been spoken of as being a version of of Candyman. Of course, Tony Todd being the climax there. And you, oh, there he is. They did the age makeup that they did or the computer stuff that they did on uh, The Irishman with it. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, Yeah, it was Just like the dude from 1992. Yeah, he. it it was crazy. Especially, you know, like I said in the first half that I loved him in this particular episode yeah. of Psych, which even at this point, that was probably... 10 years ago. Almost, yeah. yeah. You know, it was a while ago. Um, God, it might have been more than 10 years ago. But he, even then, he looked obviously older than he did in 1992. Yeah. And so how close they got him, you know, which, which, which maybe is why it's nice that he was only in it for such a short period because it afforded them to be able to really nail it without having to spend so much money to have so much screen time of him with the de-aging kind of special effects you know you get it briefly it looks exactly how you remember him looking in 1992 and it just fucking works for that 45 seconds i'm the least enthusiastic about this movie of the two of y'all although i enjoyed many aspects of it very single much (laughs) but um my review for another friend was yeah i mean definitely watch it if you like horror but you can wait till vod if you want to huh uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't completely disagree with that because I don't think that there's necessarily any incredible benefit to seeing this on the big screen the way there would be something like. Oh, I had a fantastic audience. You know, I, I had know. Hoopers, Hollowers. Hollower, yeah. It was Friday night. It was opening night. Uh, I had a what fantastic. Theater? I went to Cinemark. To Cinemark. Okay. Um. But I would say... Oh, no, don't you go in there. I had that. It yeah. Was, and it helped. Well, I mean, it was great. You know, that's they they must fun. have loved when uh, she didn't go in there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there is right. that scene where she opens her... I ain't going nope. in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she closes the door. I, I also really like that. Yeah. It was like a basement or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but... At the laundromat. At the, yeah. at, the, at the laundromat where she eventually gets abducted and taken back to that church. I, the only thing that I would say about whether you prioritize going to the theater versus seeing it on VOD oddly is the opening credits, the opening credits on a massive screen are so yeah, like jarring, I guess. And so captive. I mean, it really, because you're so like enveloped. And I mean, I actually pulled a David Gurney on this one. I sat, <laughs> front row. I sat row three, not front row, but I sat way closer than I ever sat. I was in the and front so, row, and baby. So, and so I was looking up at it and I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> you know, like, I was, I was really feeling the vibes of the opening credits. Yeah. Front row, big laugh, Dave Gurney. Front row, big laugh. 
I sat third row, enjoyed it. I got the um, uh, Shandy Man, Shandy Man, Shandy Man, Shandy Man, Shandy Man. I got that one, and I got the writing on the wall. Both very good signature cocktails for the film. That's nice. That's nice. Good job, Alan. I I went to Cinemark and drank no alcohol at all because your selection (laughs) sucks. It does suck. Also, this is my first experience with this filmmaker, but. Like I said, she had like a whole thing in the beginning about here are some of the films about right, Arthur. Right. And School of Rock was on there. Yeah. Fuck yes. Yeah. I was hyped when I saw that. Oh, I was yeah. like, okay, this woman knows cinema. <laughs> all, all of our all of her selections were great. Yeah, no, she they, she, they all were very good, but yeah. that was the one that I really didn't see coming. Yeah, Rita well, and she's like Jack Black, Mike White. Yeah. yeah. All right. Mike Absolutely. White White Lotus after hours. There you go. <laughs> yeah, no, they, well it's it uh, sounds like it sounds like we all like it. Uh, Carlos and I maybe a little bit more. I, I I agree though. I think this is probably going to be a classic film that people will reference along with the original. And I, and I love that. I think it will boost the profile of the original. I hope so. In, I want to see t-shirts way. with the like mural with the hole in the wall, oh, you know, yeah. and I want to see t-shirts that say sweets for the sweet. Like, there I think that, I mean, I think that, imagery yeah and the iconography of that first one is so good yeah yet underappreciated it that it repeating. should be on merchandise it should well, be on a thing so if we're gonna buy. repeat does it bear if we're repeating repeat, that we drink this beer again well does it bear repeating that we say citra three times what do you think folks decadent i do not like it when i compare the two beers but i will only say this it took a good half of a glass to get the first beer out of my mouth because yeah. they're so strikingly different. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Well, what, it, go on. Quality. I mean, yes or no, yay or nay. I mean, right that, now you are. You got. You got. You, got, you take your first sip. You take your, your first thumb. sip, and then you look at the can again and remind yourself that it's a triple because it is mm-hmm. filled with flavor mm-hmm. and depth. And it's it's it it's a it's a beer that you know it's almost chewy how how much yeah. flavor is in this thing, uh, I enjoyed it very 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 much, the ten point two one just thank you ten point one justifies the body like like it's so much body this is I it's a big boy this is a meal and then you go but it is ten point one so yeah I'm earning it yeah I mean. It's it's interesting. I I think you're right, Joe. Coming off of the uh, first half, where where we were drinking the bubblegum sour, you know, the the bubblegum eyes from Martin House, it initially this came across as much more one note in, in the sense that it was really that kind of like the hoppy IPA, yeah. but, but with a big body, you know. It took a while for it to kind of fully resonate with me. I think this is, I mean, I would compare, you know, whenever you get into that triple territory, you're kind of looking at something like, you know, my earliest experiences with something like this would be like the 120 minute from Dogfish Head or something. Sure, everyone's had that once. is... is atrocious. Hopefully just once. Yeah, no, it should not be returned to. So... Then when you have something like this, which is going for that, but doing it in a way that's more balanced. Even though it's like half the ABV. 
Well, is it half? What it what is one twenty? It's like 16, 17, 18 percent. Okay. Yeah. It's well, but okay, but we're teens. still up there. We're still up there. Oh yeah, that's we're gimmick. Still, I mean, no, for sure. For yeah, sure. and it, and tons of hops. I yeah. mean, the citra, citra is there, but it's done in a way. Citra, citra, David. Like just enough bitterness, just enough. It's it's all in balance. This isn't a beer that I'm gonna want to drink every day or maybe even every month. But it's a beer that when it comes along and I'm going to have, okay, let's do that triple IPA experience. This is one that I'd be happy to have that experience with. It's a good way uh, to put it. It's not an everyday beer, but it is good enough for when the occasion does arise, you do say yes. It's so funny where I'm falling on this compared to you two. This is like my idyllic IPA. Well, I'm glad to hear that. This is like your Michelob Ultra. This is like... (laughs) Found it. This is exactly what I want when I go for an IPA. Uh, that's you know, of of this stature at least. Mm-hmm. And, and like, it's one of my favorite beers that I've had in a in a while. Oh, that's I would wonderful. Say. I mean, I I'm glad I, to hear it. It's, I honestly, it's well done. I could honestly drink four of these Ooh. in a sit. I mean, I you'd like, be sick. I it would be, uh, yeah he'd be drunk. <laughs> I'd be fucked up. He'd be drunk, at but least. I just I I just think it tastes so fucking good. It I and like I you know yes it is like a big body and so like I probably wouldn't actually drink a bunch of these in a row because of that reason. But just from a pure like flavor perspective and a pure like drinking enjoyment perspective, I like I, I venture to say I have fun drinking this beer, probably because of the ten point one percent. But it's just fucking delicious it it's like it it this beer to me embodies that perfect balance of yes it does have some of the bitterness from the hops but it also has the perfect amount of the floral notes from the hops and it's also perfectly chewy in the way that a hazy ipa should be and so it has all of the things that i love in what i see as a perfect balance and so yes it's really fun it's really heavy and it is very high in ABV, but I also love it. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and I, I agree with everything that you're saying about the, I, I think I said, you know, it's a very balanced approach to this kind of big, hefty IPA. And this one is pretty fresh, too. It's and, like yeah. less than two months old. And don't get me wrong, this, if I'm going to have that experience, I would love to have it with this. But I just know if I have, I mean, I didn't drink, you know, we, we split two 16 ounce cans among the three of us yeah if i was going to drink one 16 ounce can myself i think i'd feel plenty full like i I probably need a new and carlos would call you a lightweight at that point there you go well yeah you're done anything under 10 percent is just water (laughs) (laughs) we're back there we're back some more bubble gum i'm just gonna ramp up the abv every time we talk about yeah i think i I did not want to do candy man and i am so glad that we did this episode i'll be honest i did not want to do this I, the, the new I, one you I, didn't I, want to do. Yeah, join. I remember I was like, I'll skip Candyman, and Carlos was yeah. like, Nope. I was like, No, I'm going it. to see it. I'm okay. going to see it uh, next yeah, week. That's true. I did. Uh, I did force Joe into doing it next week. We're no, no. It was a two out of three vote, and if it's a two out of three vote, okay, I just yeah, I'm happy. No, okay, okay. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Beer in a movie is a democracy. Uh, next week we are uh, doing two a double new release episode. I like those. One of them is a film which David already owns the soundtrack to uh, and that we have 
kind of some kind of, uh, some recency as far as discussing some of the people involved uh-huh. the band sparks uh is, so the film is a net it's on uh, amazon prime you can watch it tonight it's on amazon prime the second film i would say slightly more interesting uh maybe less heard of and maybe less heard of the film is called habit and it is all caps all caps. It is directed by Janelle Shirtcliffe, who is a Corpus Christi native, from what I, I understand. This is rare. Uh, very rare. And it is starring Bella Thorne, Andrea Pagek. Previously Pagek. seen last year on all, all October Horror. Yes, in the Babysitter, the Babysitter franchise. Gavin two. Rosdale. Um, interesting cast for sure. Um, but we... Yeah, we'll be watching that one also on video on demand right now. The synopsis... A street smart party girl gets mixed up in a violent drug deal and finds a possible way out by masquerading as a nun. So take that for what it's worth. Um, habit, habit, it. yeah. It's a uh, and so I I'm personally very interested to see this. Me too. I, I have no trailer's interesting. I haven't seen the trailer yet. I have like no expectations for it. I'm purely just a ride or die corpus. Uh, the bitch. trailer was this for me, and then we can move on quickly. That's Gavin Rosdale. Can he act? Uh, okay, he's doing an what okay is, job here. What band is he from? Bush. Bush. That's what I thought. And more importantly, he was the former Mr. Gwen Stefani. Very important. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Very that important. is very important. If you're listening to this, I hope that you have. And if you haven't, you should have already paused to go watch the films. But hopefully you've seen Candyman and Candyman and have some thoughts about them. And we would love to hear them. The conversation doesn't end when the episode ends. You can get involved with it on all of your favorite social media channels. You can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and Movie TX, Beer and Movie Podcast.com. You can find a link to all of our past episodes in case you're having a hard time finding them. And you can also find a map that shows you where we have had beer from in the 150 plus episodes uh, and the 300 and some odd number plus beers that we've had at this point. Probably oh, way yeah. more than that, actually. It's over 300. Um, well over 300 uh and that is those are very interesting statistics that we have compiled for you also as we have mentioned several times we do have a patreon patreon.com slash beer movie podcast five dollars a month gets you a bonus episode every single week we don't just talk about beer although we do talk about beer we don't just talk about movies although we do talk about movies we talk about a great many other things as well all sorts of things from tv music our personal lives you know whatever and as I mentioned at the top of the episode, we are going to be you get to weigh in, you get up, to program. We are yeah, we're going to be calling upon our patrons to not help us, but to actually program an episode of Beer in a Movie. So if you've always wanted to hear us talk about a certain horror movie, all horror October is going down Can't again wait to see this what they year. Throw at us. Yeah, and you can pick the horror movies that you want to hear us talk about that will be very exciting for us because this will be the first time that we've ever laid our souls bare for <laughs> you we've laid, put you at our mercy where you we are we our fate is in your hands it's in your hand <laughs> her life is in your hands dude uh, they could fuck us so hard they could and i hope that they don't i don't think that they will and if um, they did i'm gonna say candy man in the mirror while it's happening <laughs> <laughs> and i will say that of the episodes that we've talked about so far, I think there's one that we're pretty locked in for that I'm very excited about. There's one that I am most likely going to force through. Uh, 
And then there's two more that are up for grabs. We'll see what happens. It's yeah. going to be a very exciting time. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, the re- ratings and the reviews and all that kind of stuff really help the algorithm do what it do. If you leave a written review, maybe one day I will review your review, as I tend to do on the show. Until next time. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Without these things, I am nothing. So now I must shed innocent blood.